it's Liz Kelly. Here are a few things to check out in the Ringer universe before the end of the week. We've got an oral history on the movie Rounders 20 years later going up on Thursday. So read that and then check out the Rewatchables episode that Bill and Sean did on the movie earlier this month. And don't forget about our extensive football coverage. We have a new pod going up every day of the week on the Ringer NFL show and more football content on the Bill Simmons podcast, Dual Threat and Against All Odds. Subscribe to those and more on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to GM Tree, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Friday. It is September 21st, and it is official. Michael Lombardi, the Cleveland Browns, after 635 dreadful days, Baker Mania is here. Baker Mayfield shows up. And Mayday, 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 Michael Lombardi, the Cleveland Browns have done it. Huey headlines, he's a winner. He, he played it perfectly, didn't he? He got everybody into thinking he was behind Taylor. He convinced everybody that this was the way he was going to go. And then he, at the last second, he made this great decision, and he went the other way. Oh, what? no, wait, we're getting calls in that that's, that's not what happened, right? Yeah, I guess not. You know, I, I, when I was in Oakland, you know, because Al was always trying to force players down our throats and, you know, pl- like... Do you call those the Darius Hayward Bays of the world? Well, uh, this is a- that was after me. But, like, okay, it was really a plot. Like, Anthony Dorsett, this free safety. Mm-hmm. We signed Rod Woodson in the offseason, and Al refused to play. Like, Dorsett was Al's guy. He <laughs> wanted him to be the starter, right? And Rod Woodson sitting on the bench. Here's a Hall of Fame guy playing free safety sitting on the bench. Like, he was getting pissed off. Well, thankfully... No disrespect. Thankfully, Dorsett got hurt. We played a preseason game in Tennessee and Dorsett got hurt, which, you know, that led me to believe we're just one injury away from having a good team. Mm -hmm. You know, the perfect injury. And Huey played it perfectly. He, you know, he could sense it. You know, he put him out there against that vicious jet rush that maybe Tyrod would get hurt and then he would be able to play Mayfield. I've, I've written this before. I tweeted it last night, but I've written this before. Like, Really, it makes they should trade him back to Buffalo. Like Buffalo needs Taylor more than Cleveland needed Taylor to start the season. Absolutely, and we've talked about that on this podcast many a times. And the the way that this actually plays out for people that did not see the game, Tyrod Taylor goes out with a concussion. It uh, goes to the locker room. They're down fourteen to zero at this point. The Jets are basically running zone, trying to play a prevent defense just to hold the lead because they have a rookie quarterback trying to trying to keep things all together. Baker Mayfield comes in the game, ends up going 17 for 23, ends up throwing over 200 yards. Uh, the crowd is going crazy in Cleveland. The fans are getting into it. The people are buzzing. Um, but like you said, the Jets pass rush at that point. I mean, they look like they were gassed out. I mean, it was amazing. Like, right? So they, they hit Taylor enough to give him a concussion. They don't mm-hmm. even get near Mayfield. No. I mean, it's remarkable. And I think they were tired. I think their conditioning showed up at the, in the late in that game. And look, take nothing away from what Mayfield did. I mean, he was throwing dimes. He was accurate. He gave receivers. I mean, even some of his incompletions were drops. They weren't his I bad I mean, he throws. had one pass that hit someone in the chest and, and Landry down hit him ground. right in the yeah. chest and bounced off him. I mm-hmm. mean, so... uh Look, I thought he played great. And, you know, and I thought he should have been playing earlier in the season. I mean, it made no sense. And now I love this. Huey, as only Huey could do, Mm -hmm. decides that he's got to watch the tape. Was he at the game last night? <laughs> I, I, we we did see him on the sideline uh, quite a few times. Yes, he was he was at the game. Uh, as David Carr so eloquently put it, um, we did watch the tape. We watched the game, and uh, we just watched the highlights, and we just watched the crowd chant his name 
you have a quarterback. It's Baker Mayfield. I, I kind of want to bring it back to we saw with Bill O'Brien. He didn't make the decision to take Tom Savage out. Tom Savage goes down. Right. Deshaun Watson comes in. And, but he didn't go into the press conference and say, you know what? We still got to wait and see what's going on with Tom before we decide Deshaun's our guy. It, it's remarkable, right? It's truly remarkable how this all plays out. And if 2-31 and 31 and what's he, 231 and 1? Yeah. Doesn't one, get one and one this year, though. One, one and one, right? I mean, think about it. They could really be three and oh if Baker plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could be three and oh. I mean, because there's some throws that Taylor didn't make in the first game. And that Saints game, I mean, as much as the, I mean, the Saints eked that one out, they did not play well at all. They didn't play game. well. They turned the ball over, and mm-hmm. maybe Mayfield wouldn't have played as well. I mean, who knows? But they were both close games, and they had a chance to win them. And, and make and Mayfield to me, this is just this is an ex- a classic example of having your mind made up without being open minded about who you wanted as your starter. I have no idea the rationale behind why Cleveland thought that. I mean, they actually looked. See this to me, this is when your when your quarterback looks good, your offense plays better, it makes everybody else better. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the case. And I and I think that to me, it was the case this summer. Mayfield might not have been ready at the line of scrimmage, but last night he went into the game and he took advantage of it. And he seemed like that he he had been sitting and waiting and, and biding his time it wasn't one of those things he said he was preparing for every single snap he was ready to roll I mean he appreciated everything Taylor had done for him but it, it seemed like if you talk about being polished and ready as a rookie you know what I mean Baker seemed to check every single box even in the post game with the media bringing up Carlos Hyde going to have his baby delivered I mean they were trying to get him to talk about himself he kept talking about the city of Cleveland I mean, he, as far as maturity, and obviously he isn't a bit of an older guy. He's older than Darnold for sure, but he, he seemed to check every single box you're looking for. I, and you know what I think they didn't touch on? I don't know. I, I couldn't hear. I was at the, I was at Tony P's last night, but to me, on a Thursday game, right? You yeah. play Sunday. The Browns played on the road Sunday, so they didn't get back at home until late Sunday. They had to go through that. So Monday, players day off. Tuesday, it's really a walkthrough if it's anything. Wednesday is the day before the game. It's really another walkthrough if anything. So he's really, and he's the backup quarterback. So how many mental reps was he getting? Like how much did he really have? And once the game became simplistic and the Jets were out of gas, you could just see Haley was running the same plays over again and he was executing them. And I thought he did a great job of picking up the blitz, throwing the ball hot when he had to throw it hot, uh, you know, and and I get take my hat off because I was concerned about how hard he was going to work when we watched Hard Knocks this mm-hmm. summer. But he looked like he put the time in and, and only on a four day, like if I were the Jets and I went in at halftime, my thinking would have been, look, we got to come out with a bunch of different stuff because this kid hasn't practiced all week with mm-hmm. our stuff. We got to mm-hmm. change our game plan, you know, and the, and the, the, a, the Jets didn't do that. And B, they didn't have any gas in the tank to do it, maybe. And maybe they didn't think that he had what it takes to to get that type of treatment from their defense, because one of the biggest tests and one thing I've learned, you know, talking to you about quarterbacks is will they make that throw down the seam? Are they afraid to make that throw down the seam in a tight window? Baker Mayfield every single time stared it down and made the throw. Yeah, and he I think did that, stare it down. That There's was no the doubt. most impressive part of his. I mean, I the, mean, the throw they throw was a Landry they kept showing over and over. I mean, that is a that is an interception if you don't put that in the right place. And no doubt, and no doubt. And and to me, for the life of me, I don't understand how you're playing Cleveland. You just don't double Landry. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to double Landry. I'm going to take my chance with Callaway because Callaway's hit or miss. I mean, his effort is hit or miss. His hands are hit or miss. You know, if he beats me. Okay, I'm going to live with that. But like but Baker's going to throw it deep. They were showing some of the highlights from Tarad and a little bit of the difference between the two. It's like 
Taylor was going to take that little drag route, you know, and take the easy pass for a seven yard oh, no. game to get down to second and three. And meanwhile, Callaway's got his hand up running straight down the field. Baker's going to make that pass. Yeah, no, a ba- Baker's eye level was much better. Mm-hmm. Baker, now Baker hadn't been hit. Yeah. You know, it's like a boxer, you know, you're, you're a boxer until you get knocked on the ground. Yeah, everybody's you, hot until you take a <laughs> shot. Yeah. You know, it's like Mike, Mike Tyson and everybody got a plan to get hit in the mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I look, I think it was awesome. And I think it's great for Cleveland to have a quarterback that they drafted. They feel good about, and it's going to get hard. We know this. I mean, he's mm-hmm. going to play Paul Gunther this week out in Oakland, who's got a bunch of A-gap pressures. I mean, the Jets really, they tried to pressure, but they couldn't get there. So, And then the Jets' offense struggled to move the ball effectively. I mean, Darnold in the second half had bad field position, didn't make enough throws. The Jets' offense, to me, didn't look like they had, you know, it was bubble screens mm-hmm. and it was shots. I mean, the, the, you they, know. They were trying to protect Darnold, it seemed, in the second half once they had that lead. And it maybe did him a disservice because it put him, some of those little bubble screens and the, those blocks are getting blown up in the backfield because they know they're coming. You know what I mean? It was yeah, just. And they had too many nakeds. Like, they kept mm-hmm. running boots and nakeds. Like, at some point, like, they're not going to work. You know, you cut the field in half and then if you if it's not there, you can't, you can't throw it. Like, where are the throws on first down that you got to have that you have in your hip pocket you can make for a young quarterback. I, I'm not down on Darnold at all. I think Darnold's going to be a good player, but he's got to, he's got, they got to help him a little bit more with throws on first down that are just not always nakeds. And that, that, you know, again, now we're back to this whole, this whole outside zone offense that's tied to running boots and nakeds, but you're going to have to have a little bit more than just that, especially when teams are playing them like they did last night. And I will say one thing I, I noticed from Darnold and something to watch out for for the rest of the season. And he has this tendency to he's trying to throw the ball away out of bounds and he's throwing it off his back foot and he thinks his arm is strong enough to get it out of bounds. And he had two of them that stayed in bounds. They ended up getting caught, actually. Yeah. They didn't count. But that, that's one thing to watch out for, because that looks like uh, yeah. trying to throw from hash to the other hash out of bounds is it's a, a different lot game. It's NFL. a different game. Plus, you start getting like he got hit. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the wear and tear of your body starts to wear on you. Know? You start he's, thinking your arm is stronger than it is. Exactly. And, and that's why baseball pitchers run in the outfield, right? So mm-hmm. baseball pitchers, you go to a spring, spring, spring training game and they're always running in the outfield. Because where do you lose your arm? strength not from throwing you lose it from the lower body power Mm -hmm. and if you start to get hit a lot your lower body power goes away and it starts to starts to decrease and so that's why you have when you play on a short week like this you got to really be really work hard in a weight room to make sure you do that they got he's got 10 days to his next start he's got to really get back on it because every day it's harder and harder because you're getting hit you're taking pounding and one more note i want to point out about this game which i thought was very interesting i want to hear your thoughts on it i mean both these teams the depth that they both have at running back on both these teams as far as just name recognition in town itself i mean you look at the browns and i think that's one thing that uh, a lot of people didn't talk about was carlos hyde and what he brings to this team a legit you know number one rb1 on that team and then you go down the list of Duke Johnson is right behind him, and then you have Nick Chubb right behind him, and then you look on the other side with the New York Jets, and you got Powell, you got Crowell. I mean, they got two guys where they're not even specific packages. It's just whatever guy is ready and fresh to go into the game. And I, I just found it interesting that both these teams, there's five running backs in this one game that all, you know, probably 10 years ago are all, you know, RB1s on a team. Right. And I, and I think the problem Darnold's having the most is the Jets going into that game were the worst team in football. They had too many zero and two yard runs. Mm-hmm. He gets in too many. He's in too many third and tens like he's just well, it's predictable it, i, I yeah. saw crowell one time go to the bench because they ran this the stretch sweep play and they just ran it right into the jaws of the defense yeah i mean so they got to get out of it now look last night i mean hyde had his best night mm-hmm. because going into the game hyde had hyde was just two yards more rushing than than taylor did mm-hmm. so they, they've got to come up and find a way 
to get better at it. I mean, they were the Jets were six for 15 on on third down. What does that tell you? 15 third downs. You're not making enough explosive plays. When you got 15 third downs, remember, the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes last week. Canadian football. Five for five third downs. They got 15. You get 15 third downs. The Browns had 18. Mm. I mean, usually when you get into 18 third downs, you're not making explosive plays. And, you know, we saw it last night and that ultimately affects you. And that's why they were only able to gain 268 total yards of offense. We're going to get to the five games to watch out for this week. As always, it's the Friday sit down, of course, on GM Street here. Um, What will happen if Hugh Jackson, Huey Headlines, goes in, watches the tape and comes out of that room and goes to John Dorsey and says... Terod Taylor is still the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. I, I, there's no chance he can do it. There's no, he, not even Huey he gave can the pull. game ball to Miss Haslam. He gave it to the owners. So, well, they, you know, just, yeah, they, they deserved it. They so, deserved it. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe they'll sign I mean, look, with him on He Taylor, should give knows? him. I mean, when you, when you've only won one game in three years, you should give the game ball to your owner for patience, right? Mm-hmm. You should give him 15 game balls. Mm-hmm. So I, there's no way Hugh could do it. Hugh can't, Hugh loses his team. If he does that, there's no way he's going to stand in front of his team who got energized and, you know, felt like we but got... Doesn't his- he already suck some energy out of the room when those guys get back to the locker room, they check their phones and people are texting him, yo, coach said that uh, Baker might not be the starter. Well, what I mean, does Baker take from that? You know what I mean? He's doing all this media. I, 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 think, I think it's due process. I want to take my time. I want to look at it, you know, mm-hmm. to make people think he's thorough and all that. I mean, remember, he said that he was going to have... He wasn't he going to have Drew Stanton be the second quarterback. That was the plan. That was the plan because he was a, the a savvy the vet. Yeah. That's right. So, and, and pa- Baker was going to be the third. Mm-hmm. That changed, and now this is going to change. So we'll see. It is uh, because I think this. You know, I, the question was if he would have pulled, was he going to pull Taylor or not? That would have been the question because if he would have, if he didn't pull Taylor, whether Taylor got injured or not, let's just say Taylor didn't get hurt in that game. Mm-hmm. He had to pull Taylor at halftime. And then once he pulls Taylor at halftime, Taylor can't get the team back. And if Mayfield did what he did, he can't get the team back. It's just impossible. So the injury kind of bailed him out from having to make a decision that he had to make. But I don't know if he was ready to make. See, There's no way that he would. You don't think there was a world in which he goes to halftime and he does decide to bench Taylor? Because I don't think there is. I, I think he even said I kept when he saying, asked he would, that he was I kept not saying, do that. you know, I'm watching the game with Millie. And I kept saying the worst thing you're going to do is don't get this kid hurt. Don't get, don't get Taylor hurt. You don't want to keep, you know, it's like, don't foul him out of the game, you know, and not, not, you know, because he was the, he was helping him. I mean, so, but because I don't, I'm with you. I don't think Hugh would have made that call because if Hugh makes that call, there's no turning back. We can check. I'm sure everyone on Twitter will let us know, but I I am pretty sure I heard him say in his press conference when asked something along those lines that that decision had not been made. It was the injury that made the decision. So, uh, as only Hugh could, as only Hugh could, and he has a master plan and we all know it. And we're all just living in his world. Uh, enjoy all the Bud Lights in Cleveland. We're very excited that you got your win. Uh, you got the t-shirts, got people very excited again for the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, we're going to get into the five games that we do every single week. Lombardi last week, uh, you were three and two week one, you were four and one, you know, but I, I, Mick, my son told me that really I was three and two, but I did say that Denver would win, but Oakland would cover. So I think I got that one. Okay, I think so I was we're gonna four go four and one. one. Okay, yeah, like sometimes I forget what I say. Yeah, so well, I forget everything I say at this point. So well, I, I'm so just I, I, thank you, Mick, for for helping me out there. But I did. I think I did have. Thank that you game. for listening, Mick. We need. Yeah. We don't need. We don't listen to ourselves. So we need someone to keep I do. us in line. I thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Let's get to the game. I feel bad for Mick. You know, you get, you get home at four o'clock in the morning, you lose to Cleveland. It's tough to go to work the next day. It's all right. He's got Sam Darnold. Sam's he, all right, and he's got Dominic. So that makes it better. There you go. One of the best uh, gridiron genius fans in the world. We saw him reading the book and. Wearing his jet gear last night. All right, before we move on to the week three games to watch out for, we're going to take a quick break. 
Did you get the Yahoo Sports app yet? Are you ready for live football on your phone? With the Yahoo Sports mobile app, you get live, local, and primetime NFL games all season long. Never miss your local game. Never miss a big national matchup. All you need is the Yahoo Sports app. Seriously, go get the app. It's your ticket to watching live NFL games wherever you want. No subscriptions, no fees. It's all football and all yours at the tap of an app. Watch live NFL games on the Yahoo Sports mobile app now. And we're also brought to you by my bookie. People always ask me for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. I would say the Lions to lose, but who knows? The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. I always tell people to bet my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention they have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Wow, this is getting, uh, we're getting really deep into this. So lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. My bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Now back to GM Street. Uh, we got the five games to watch out for this week. The first one we just brought up Denver when talking about uh, last week. They get to two and zero. Von Miller is doing his old spice routine, going around talking about uh, what he wants to do as a defensive end and what's happening to the death of the pass rush. He said, "Play for the ball." Uh, but the Denver Broncos—they're going to Baltimore, taking on uh, Joe Flacco's team, and uh, we're going to see if this Broncos team is legit outside of the Mile High City, right? Do you know the Broncos haven't allowed a third down conversion in the red zone all season? I Pretty heard impressive. that on uh, ESPN. Yes, Pretty impressive, right? Mm-hmm. So. And for me, this game is the classic bad road team plays good home team. Denver's one and seven on the road. Look, I'm not falling for Denver September flight. I'm just not falling for it. They're sick. They're 15 and one in the last 16 games in September. Okay. The first two weeks of the season, how they get home games scheduled in Denver. I don't know what they have with the league office, why they always play at home. John Elway. I guess maybe, I don't know, but they always get to play at home. And that gets them off to a good start. And then Baltimore, you know, look, Baltimore is the perfect example of, of you know, Baltimore. What do I have? And Baltimore is like in the last few seasons. I mean, Baltimore is not a very good road team at all, but they're much better at home. So mm-hmm. to me, this game comes down to Baltimore's defense. Case Keenum, can he play well enough on the road? He's got nine road wins in his career. Five of them came last year with the Minnesota Vikings. I don't see it. I don't think he's going to be able to make enough throws in the game. Although I will say this, Tate Frazier, the Denver Broncos lead the league in explosive plays. Who would have thought that? I would have never thought that until I was doing research on the game. But to me, I think Baltimore's defense can dominate this game. I think they're going to win it. If Flacco doesn't make one of his blunders and he comes out and plays and and they do a good job on third down for Flacco, I think Baltimore wins. So like the Ravens Baltimore. are favored by five and a half in this game uh, based on what Vegas is saying right now. Uh, I will say, I thought it was very interesting. Von Miller did say that really the driving force of this Broncos team so far has been these young guys like Lindsey and he talked about Bradley Chubb and he, you know, obviously we've seen Sanders make some great plays looking like his old self. Uh, he talked about explosive plays in the passing game. He said Case Keenum is a professional quarterback and uh, that's what they need on their team to, to, to lead those guys. So it'll be interesting. I want to see if this Broncos team really is legit because Von Miller, as we know, is 
is an absolute monster in the pass rush. Let's get to the next game. We got the New York Giants taking on Deshaun Watson in the slow starting Houston Texans. Yeah, I've been on Houston now two weeks in a row. I've been wrong with Houston every week. They let me down and I'm going to go with them again. I'm going to keep going with them because I think bad lines don't travel well. Mm. Fascinating, right? So they draft Barkley. Tate Frazier, they draft Barkley. Boomer bust. That's the that's what I don't think it's going to be. So, but here's what I don't understand about the Giants: their play calling. They're seventy percent pass, thirty percent run in the first half, right? So, I I, which I'm not complaining about it because I think that that's maybe a little too high pass, but it's the right formula, correct? So, I like passing early, but the problem is on first down. Barkley's averaging like two point two yard, two point eight yards a carry. He's had twelve first down carries. They can't get the running game going. Like Barkley's back there. They can't get going. And I think New York is another team. This is, I think it's Oakland, New York, Indianapolis, and the and the Patriots. This is their second consecutive road game. Hard to always play two weeks in a row on the road. Uh, and so they got to go. Especially da- after going to Dallas and having that kind of rivalry game. And then fly back home and now mm-hmm. come back down to Houston. Mm-hmm. I think Houston's got to win with their defense. Their defense has let me down. Will Fuller back last week made a difference. Deshaun Watson was much better. But not having Eli Apple, not having, not having Olivier Vernon for the Giants defense. And then I think they'll put pressure on Eli, who will underthrow all the deep throws. I really like Houston here. I'm going to do it again. If they let me down this week, Tate Frazier, I'm done with Houston. I'm off. For the rest of the year. Okay, yeah, we'll, okay. we'll mark that down. So Houston is favored by six in that game. The New York Giants are coming there. It is weird. Why can't the Giants, why don't they just stay and have like a nice little Texas tour? Why can't you they know, just I think hang it's out a really Texas? Like for me as a GM in the league, I think that any chance you can get any time of the season to go on the road with your team as like a little vacation, right? Well, it's a bonding element That's to me. I mean, like yeah. training camps aren't like people say we go to camp to bond. No, you don't because you, you go got, to camp to get cut for a lot of people. Right, you got 90 players yeah. on the team. 40 of them are going to get cut. Who are you bonding with? Mm-hmm. Okay. But now this is your team. This is your team. And there's no better way to do it than if you would have gone down there, go to Houston, spend a couple of days, get acclimated to the heat and humidity down there. I'm sure the, the bubble's going to be clo- I'm sure they're closed the thing in Houston, but still, it helps your team. You bonded. It can bring you more for the rest of the season. And plus, everybody can be there. It's not like the Miami party boat, you know, that, right. that had a limit of people that could go down there. Right. I mean, this it's, way, we're all hanging out in Waco, Texas. Oh, there's a lot to do in Houston now. Maybe that, that could be a problem because there's a lot to do in Houston. James Harden will find those guys and uh, make sure they have a good time, I'm sure, especially OBJ. Let's get to the next game. we got the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, a team that people are... Uh, I don't know. It's a very interesting time for the Eagles fans. They were very excited for Carson Wentz to return, but they were very upset that Fitzpatrick uh, took him down last last week with the Buccaneers. But they are going to take on uh, Andrew Luck in the Indianapolis Colts. We're going to see Frank Reich, the former coach uh, for Carson Wentz, take on uh, him with Andrew Luck by his side this time. Um, in this game, I, I find it very, very interesting because I thought the Colts really showed some signs last week they that they could be a, a real contender. Um, what do you expect to see from Wentz in his first game back and obviously from this Colts team? I don't know what to think of Wentz. I think the receivers for Philadelphia are not very good. They've re-signed mm-hmm. Jordan Matthews. I think the, it's hard. I think they're having a hard time getting They're the missing ball. guys like Matt Collins, like possession receivers. They're missing their explosive players. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeffrey, missing Jeffrey hurts them. You know, they won't have Sproles again in the game. Although I think Corey Clement's a good player. I think yep. he does a good job. Wendell Smallwood's done a good job for him. But for me, I, I, you know, look, Frank Reich knows the defense. I think the question really is, can Indianapolis block the front? The Eagles front, I don't think is the same level. Nada isn't as good. Michael Bennett, He's hit or miss. He can be really explosive on some plays. I mean, not a played the most plays of any defensive lineman last week. He played like 34. And and let's just say this. I mean, it's September. Our our defensive line does not have to go all out in September. We got a long way to play this thing. So right. So they we got see that we see a little bit of that. But they gotta have to they're gonna have to cover T. Y. Hilton. They're gonna have to put pressure on luck. 
And, you know, and Wentz just coming back doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to go away. The problems with their offense aren't going to go away. I mean, they've already thrown 78, 79 passes since they've been behind in the league. Last year, they only threw 118. Mm -hmm. So I like Philly here. I think Philly will win. I think it'll be a close game, though. I really do. I think Philly will be, I think Andrew Luck, again, he's playing the second consecutive road week uh, on the road, but I'm not sure they're going to have enough to protect there they did a great job in washington protecting washington kind of played down to them they controlled the pace of the game they won the fourth quarter which indianapolis never does i think this is one of those games where indy can't win the fourth quarter and philly wins and philly is favored in this game by six and a half points they're obviously at home they have a huge home field advantage as the super bowl champions for the first time in franchise history people are excited in philadelphia so i expect them to show up and uh you know, let Andrew Luck know how they feel about him. Uh, next up, we got the Los Angeles Chargers, the battle for LA, as they right. like to call it. And, and I think this is significant. It is the battle for LA. I think the Rams, Chargers versus Rams. I think the Rams have this sense of themselves where they got to they got to capture the market, and mm-hmm. the only way you can capture the market is to beat the other team, right? And to win. And the Chargers have played two bad defenses so far. They've played Kansas City, horrendous mm-hmm. defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know Kansas City's great on offense. They're bad on defense. And then Buffalo, bad on defense. And then when you look at the the, the Rams, I think the Rams haven't let a, haven't allowed a point in the second half so far this season. I mean, their offense can get going. Without Bosa, can the Chargers rush the passer? Can the Chargers cover? I think the Rams go full force in this game. And I think the Rams try to make a statement with the way they play. Can the Chargers block up front? You know, they're going to have to win. They're going to have to win some matchups. I mean, somebody's going to block Donald. I, I just think to me, I like the Rams. Rams here a lot. And I think there's an extra motivation for the Rams here to capture the LA market. And the Rams have outscored their opponents so far this season, 67 to 13. They held Bradford to a hundred yards on 27. That was a painful attempts. game to watch. And David Johnson, 48 yards. I mean, Tate Frazier, that was a painful game to watch. Even mm-hmm. if you love football, having watched the having watched the Cardinals offense was painful. Well, it was two different classes of football. I mean, it, yeah. it seemed like the a college, the Wisconsin offense was going up against uh, one of the so best bad. NFL defenses. I mean, it's so bad to watch. You get you learn nothing from watching it it's boring it's it's like it's so hard to watch and look they they don't have enough explosive plays they might move the ball and have a drive but look rivers is the equalizer here he's a good player i just think they're going to turn the ball over i think the rams will get their hands on some balls and plus the rams i don't think that they're going to slow down one bit i think they have a really good job of knowing how to handle this defense they play seattle twice Sean McBay, the last time they played up in Seattle, Sean McBay ran for a zillion yards. He kind of attacked the scheme the right way. He'll know how to attack the scheme. That's why I like the Rams a lot. And the Rams are favored by seven in that game. Uh, I I think there's still, I, I hold out a sliver of hope. Sliver? A sliver of hope for Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I hope so. Sliver for Rivers, that's what we'll say. Uh, the final game that we have this week, the fifth and final game from Lombardi, the locks for this Sunday. Uh, we got the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks are favored by one and a half in this game. It's going to be up in Seattle. This feels like a classic Russell Wilson game where he gets everything back together and knocks out the Cowboys. But that's just what that's just what it feels like in the ether to me. What do you see, Lombardi? I, I, look, the, look. Everybody thinks that you know CenturyLink Field is is the great the twelfth man. The twelfth man. Well, last year it was four and four. They didn't really play well. They've been on the road for two weeks. This is their home opener. I think they'll be charged up. I I really do. Get I think the coffee out, spread get, it around. Let's I think that they they played better on defense than mm-hmm. they have. They played with a lot of backups last week in Chicago. And if Russell doesn't throw the pick six, that could be a closer game. And I, I just which is very uncharacteristic. He got baited into it, which we talked about. Right. 
right. on Tuesday. But so. I, I, my sense of this whole game is is that I th- I think the Seattle Seahawks have got to get their offense going. Russell's got to play better because I think they're actually competing much better on defense, and they're going to get some defensive. Bobby Wagner comes back this week, and the Cowboys can't make any explosive plays. They they just can't make an explosive play down the field. So the game's never going to get away from them. It's going to be a fourth quarter game, you know, where Seattle's going to have a chance to really kind of take the game over in the fourth quarter. The crowd noise is going to play a factor in the Dallas offense. You know, they can't get the ball. I mean, to me, th- this is malpractice coaching for the Cowboys. Is when you when Zeke Elliott averages three yards a catch, something's wrong, man. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. I'm telling you, if Sean McVay went over there for a week, uh, Elliott would average more than seven three yards a catch. Like, there's you got to be able to get this. This kid can catch mm-hmm. and he can make an impact in the passing game. I mean, even if he was Melvin Gordon with the Chargers, you know what I mean? He's going to get better opportunities. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. You can't, to me, I think he can really, it's, it's, it's a shame that he's not making that impact, but I, I like Seattle here. I, I'm not in love with Dallas's team at all. I think Dallas is good on defense. I don't think they're great on defense. I think they're good, but I don't love their team. And I think offensively, they're going to struggle to be explosive. I mean, last so far this year, Dallas, Chicago, and Arizona have only two plays of over 25 yards already just this season. Just two. Mm-hmm. You're not winning on the road, not making explosive plays. You're not going 12 play jobs, dr- drives on the road and winning. You just can't do it. You got to make an explosive play to win on the road. And you're not opening the box up for a guy like Elliott who can, can make those explosive plays. When right. everyone's stacking up and they know that you can't. They're going to get an eight man front the whole game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so the pressure is going to be on Prescott, you know, and they might have an opening drive that looks good. But I'm just saying to get 20 points, you're going to make explosive plays and the Cowboys can't make them. And you can tell it's pretty hard for that team to get to 20 points at this point in the season. Uh, I want to just go through a couple other games to watch out for uh, and some lines to look out for. And that is one of them I want to bring up uh, the New England Patriots who Bill Belichick did come out today and said that he said Josh Gordon is a smart guy or, you know, he's, he's really, you know, implementing himself. We've so far so good basically was the was the update on Josh Gordon. We saw him wearing the 10 jersey in practice. Uh, I don't think he took Jimmy G's jersey. Oh, he took a lot Jimmy. of people have Jimmy G's jersey up in the up in the, uh, the Boston area. Well, so. you, at least you got a G there, right? And you just yeah, put tape, just, just put, just put it over. Yeah, you can still wear it. It's still applicable. Yeah, there you go. So you get your J- Josh Gordon, Jimmy Garoppolo, a little back and forth there. Um, but it looks like the Patriots will take on this Lions team. The Lions are. <laughs> Uh, What's they, the line get, there? They're getting seven points in this game, and I want to say that that is uh, a pretty ridiculously low line because I you feel like so? the New England Patriots. Are I, gonna... I, I disagree. I think Detroit's going to score on New England. I think this is a trap. I think New England is going to have a hard time slowing down Detroit. You think because Patricia knows the secrets? No, no, no. I just <laughs> think to me that this is a game where New England, where Patricia's going to think, well, we really can't run the ball on. That's what they're built to do is to stop the run. So we better spread them out and. If the game becomes, if say New England gets off to a quick start and lead, then Matthew Stafford just has an excuse. Like when they went up on San Francisco, when they got behind against San Francisco, now it just now Matt Stafford on the two minute offense can do it exactly. If they go all two minute in this game, Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't. His whole career should be the two minute offense. It it really should be. I mean, everybody keeps trying to force down a running game, put Blunt on the field. Like like I said last week, the reason that Bortles was so successful is Fournette didn't play. Not that that's a knock on Fournette, but that's 25 carries. You're not giving to Fournette. It's 25 more chances to attack the Patriot defense in a manner and a style that you have to attack them in. And I think that's the same thing with Detroit. Detroit playing home with the crowd noise in their favor. They'll think and dunk the ball around. They'll move it around. They'll make some plays. They'll find the weak spot. Who's covering Golden Tate? Do they have mm-hmm. a guy that can handle quickness? You know, can they hold up Marvin up front? Jones, yeah. I mean, last week, look, if, you, if, if you're the Lions, Josh Wells, the backup left tackle, blocked every guy on the on the Patriots team. Bortles had time to throw the ball. So if you think you got to do that, you're going to throw the ball around. Yeah. 
Uh, it'll be that's why i think that line i think that's a trap i think you're gonna fall in a trap there i i just i was you doing it basically in it. I, I do it was coordinator versus coordinator and i was thinking mcdaniels no, I, versus I think Matt. That, look I, I, I think that's I, I think mcdaniels will move the ball i think the patriots offense will come back to life a little bit mm-hmm. i think it'll be much better uh, you're gonna have to cover it like josh gordon is the steve kerr of this offense you're gonna so have this to cover could be like the, a, a chief Steelers type of game where it's like 41 35 i, I see yeah, that yeah, i yeah. see it going up and down mm-hmm. i do mm-hmm. i really do i think that the patriots are gonna have a hard time stopping them and Stafford's, you know, and they go up there and, you know, and they, they can move the ball. And Stafford, if you don't hit Stafford early and you don't get them off the spot, Patriots don't have a pass rush. Mm-hmm. They're not great. They have no team speed. I on apologize defense. for doubting Jim Bob Cooter. I, I, no, you, you, you have every right to have your opinion. I'm just saying that to me, I think that's a trap. What other game you got? I think the best game of the weekend. Uh, yeah. This may be biased. Uh, I think the Bengals at the Panthers. I think both of these teams I think have is. showed signs of having the ability to really go far in the playoffs. But we kind of just want to see if they can take it to that next level. And they're, they're sort of right. You know, they, they've been around for a while. You know what I mean? But we're just trying to see if this will finally be the year they kind of break through. Last week, the Panthers couldn't play run defense. They struggled to play run defense. It was hard for them. And the the Bengals without having Mixon, can they run the ball well enough? Cam has not been good. Cam hasn't converted a third and six all season. Mm-hmm. And when you blitz Cam, Cam's like a 54% qu- uh, a quarterback rating quarterback. He doesn't play with the same, you know, when you get after him. So, but this Bengal defense to me, they're on the road. They haven't played great. I like Carolina here, but I think this is going to be a great game. I really do. I really do too. And I think Carolina is favored in this game. That is correct. They're favored by three points in that game. I think that'll be a good one to watch out for. And I want to say uh, Thursday night football, um, what we got this week obviously was what it was. It was the Browns and the Jets and people were making jokes about the Thursday night schedule. But next week we get the Minnesota Vikings and the Los Angeles Rams on Thursday night. Here in Um, LA? Yeah. I, I, I just wanted to say, I think that is a... That is that's a awesome. That we're obviously way ahead of schedule here as far as previewing that, but I saw that last night and I was. That's I was a good like, way. Well, that'd be a Thursday great game. I mean, I, I, something I'm interested in. That'd be a great game. Yep. San Francisco, Kansas City. When you break that game down, you know San Francisco is going to score. But when you play Kansas City, that crowd noise is such a factor, and they're really good in the kicking game in mm. Kansas City. Jimmy G's got to play better. He's got to be better with the football. He's got to be more accurate with it. What, what do you think about these little? Uh, I saw some leak reports that were coming out that Shanahan and Jimmy have had some some back and forth because Jimmy is more. It's uh, it's like uh, he, he's basically ad libbing a lot, and Shanahan has a direct plan. You know, Matt Ryan's going to do exactly what you tell him to do, but right. uh, Jimmy is sort of going rogue a little bit more. I I think Jimmy needs to. I think Jimmy needs to buckle down. I think Jimmy needs to get straightened out. I mm-hmm. think Jimmy's not playing to the level he can play. You think he bought into the Jimmy G hype a little bit? I, maybe he has. I need Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't need Jimmy G. I, I I think he has a little bit. I think he can play way better than he's playing right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see if Jimmy can bounce back. Uh, I mean, if there's any defense to bounce back, uh, that's probably the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to help point. you if you get Goodwin back too. That helps them. Yep. You know, they, they got to run the ball. Look, here's the thing to beat the Chiefs. If you're going to if you're going to slow down Patrick Mahomes, you got to play less defense and you got to force third downs. And you got to control the pace of the game. You can't go out there and give them the ball for 32, 33 minutes. They're going to beat you every time. Yep, absolutely. We'll keep our eyes on uh, on all the stuff as it keeps going. Obviously, Eric Berry is another guy that uh, he missed practice on Wednesday. Yeah. Another guy to keep an eye on if that Chiefs defense is going to bounce back. Uh, we will be back on GM Street on Tuesday. We're going to do uh, our week three uh, Lombardi's reactions to the whole Your thing. Your reactions, too. 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I like saying some things just to see if I can ruffle some feathers out there in the world. Uh, but we, we're having a great time on these Fridays. We enjoy all the previews. We appreciate everyone listening. And we will be back, as I said, on Tuesday. I will be in Maui. I will be calling in from Maui. I'll be in Chris Berman country. But Lombardi will be here. I'll hold the fort down. You'll don't hold worry, it down Tony Pease, So don't, don't that'll worry. be good. I got you. I'll keep my eye on my phone. Uh, hopefully, I won't get lost in the ocean or anything like that. Yeah, spread, the, spread the gridiron genius over. Take some, spread it over there. I'll do what I can. I'll, I'll say you're the Norm Chow of, uh, of football <laughs> yeah, over here in the States. They need to read it then. Absolutely. Uh, We'll be back on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Meet Sonos Beam, the smart, compact soundbar for your TV and newest addition to the easy-to-use home sound system. Beam lets you play everything you love from music and radio to movies, TV, podcasts, and more. Even use AirPlay to enjoy sound from your iPhone or iPad on Beam, all with rich sound that fills the room. Enjoy deep bass and detailed stereo separation for music, plus crystal clear dialogue for TVs and movies. All it takes is one cord to connect Beam to your TV, and it syncs with your existing remote or get hands-free control with Alexa, which is built in. The Sonos app walks you through setup step-by-step, but if you don't even want to bother setting up your speakers, Sonos will send someone to do it for you. That's right. If you live in a major metropolitan area, up and running, we'll have a Sonos expert deliver and set up your system absolutely free. Just order from Sonos.com and select up and running at checkout if you qualify. Again, that's Sonos.com. Select up and running at checkout and you will have a Sonos Beam in no time. Hey everyone, I'm Danny Heifetz. I'm joined today by my co-host Danny Kelly. What's up? We are the hosts of the Fantasy Football Podcast, and we're going to dish out some last-minute fantasy advice going into this weekend. We'll be quick because I actually have to go get a Fantasy Football Podcast tattoo in a couple minutes. <laughs> uh, so you want to just dive right into the lightning round, DK? Absolutely, let's do it. All right, so here's a lightning round on some guys you might be on the fence about starting this week. Who's your first dude? Uh, Deion Lewis, Titans against Jacksonville. I think right now I am in on him. He had a kind of a down game last week. Wasn't the greatest uh, game script for them, but I think this week against the Jags, he's going to be probably a big part of that that offense. It's going to be kind of a funnel to the running back type of thing, and so I think he could have a big day. I agree, although Jaguars are always scary. Yeah. My next guy is Vikings Latavius Murray versus the Bills. His ownership actually went down this week, but the Bills have a terrible run defense. They gave up the second most points per game to running backs in 2017. The Vikings are 17-point favorites. <laughs> Love it. I think Murray is going to be an RB1 this week. My next guy, Royce Freeman. We talked about Philip Lindsay on Tuesday. Um, I'm kind of off Freeman for the moment because I just think right now Philip Lindsay just looks so much better. I think they could kind of ride the hot hand. That's what... That's what Vance Joseph talked about. And right now, he Lindsay looks to me like the hot hand. So I think, you know, you got to be kind of careful with Freeman this week. Yeah, I agree. Uh, someone who drafted Royce Freeman, very upset. <laughs> At Baltimore, too, which is kind of a tough matchup. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next guy for me is Jamal Williams, who's going against the Washington this week. Uh, there were two camps of fantasy analysts this year. Those who believed in the Packers <laughs> sticking with Jamal Williams and those who believed in Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is back from suspension and it's Jamal Williams did not run away with the job. It's too risky in my right. mind to start him this week. The odds that he gets single digit touches is decently high and it's worth seeing how the split goes, but I wouldn't start him this week. He's I have low confidence in him. He's still one of those guys that could have like a pretty significant job just because we talked about in the past. He's he's a good pass protector, but as a runner, he's not very impressive. So yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you know kind of worrisome going forward. The main thing I'm curious about is if the protecting of Aaron Rodgers is pivotal, but uh, 
I'm out for now. Who's your next guy? Adrian Peterson versus Green Bay. Obviously, week one, he looked really good. 26 rushes, 96 yards, a touchdown. Last week, you know, he just fell off the map. It was it was a bad game script for them. They were down the whole game. I could see that happening again this week, and they re- rely much more on Chris Thompson. And so I'm out on Peterson this week. I think he could have good matchups going forward. But yeah, this week I'm out. I still believe in the Redskins offense, but I need to see some life. Yeah. Uh, speaking of life, Alex Collins of the Ravens is going against the Broncos. Uh, he returned from an illness on Thursday to camp. He missed uh, practice. He missed Wednesday. He got seven and nine carries in the first two weeks. You wrote about how Buck Allen's been taking his lunch, and now he's sick, and I don't have the confidence in him this week. So I'm out for now. Might be out on the whole season. What do you think? Collins is better than Buck Allen, but for some reason, we talked about this on Tuesday, that the Ravens are basically splitting the workload and Allen gets more of the passing down snap. So I, yeah, I mean, it's just tough. I, I'm probably sticking with cons for now, but it, it, to me, he's starting to get into that borderline. I totally agree. All right. My next guy is Sony Michelle. I mean, we talked about him on Tuesday also, like the Patriots backfield is just really confusing, but for me, I'm going to go out on a limb and say stardom. I think the, just the way he looked a little bit last week against a really, really tough Jags defense. I think there were some signs of life there. Um, I think they get a much, much better matchup this week in Detroit, one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. And the split of carries is going to be, you know, kind of the determining factor, but I'm I'm kind of just going out on a limb with him and starting him. I'd be okay just benching him until he has his explosion game if I, it means I miss it, but I yeah. appreciate you going on a limb, DK. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go to wide receivers right now. Pierre Garcon, the Niners, are taking Kansas mm-hmm. City. Garcon has not eaten quite like we thought he would, even though Marquise Goodwin got hurt. But the Chiefs are like built for fantasy football. They are going to probably dunk on the Niners in the first half. They'll be passing all second half. And Garcon's just too good. And I think this is the game where he's going to get the volume we foresaw. So I'm pretty confident he's going to get a lot of targets. What do you think? I'm still worried about him and the way he started the season so far. I think Pettis and Goodwin, assuming he's back out there, have a little bit higher upside, a little bit more you know dynamic. And so I'm just kind of worried about sort of the the breakout and how they how they split the targets I, I just don't know if I'm very confident in this week so I'm, I'm out on Garcon this week okay uh, well Pettis is fantastic too I love Pettis as an option as well uh, yeah it's really an endorsement of the Niners overall offense including like don't give up on George Kittle or any of those dudes right. exactly. would not cut Garoppolo this week uh if you can't do the Chiefs though we'll see uh who's next for you Keelan Cole versus Tennessee I think last you know obviously week one he was a little bit quiet three catches 54 yards last week he exploded for seven catches 116 yards including a touchdown and an amazing one-handed catch. I think he is the man. Um, you know, we talked about him in the preseason. I think Tennessee is, they've allowed the second most catches to wide receivers. I, I actually don't know what the stat is. 45 targets, 33 catches, 469 yards, four touchdowns of receivers. And that's the second most yards of any team in the NFL so far. So I don't like the Titans defense. I like Keelan Cole and yeah, I'm going with him this week. Yeah, my love for Keelan Cole is is well-known on this podcast. Uh, last one yeah. for me is Kenny Galladay. I straight up think he's better than Marvin Jones Jr. He was projected to be an amazing rookie last year. He's absolutely fantastic. He's already got more targets than Marvin Jones, even though he's played in slightly more snaps. But he's a bona fide starter. The Lions use three receiver sets. As you learn the hard way when you rank them outside the top 10 in receiver <laughs> trios. Yeah. But he's number 11 in full PPR right now. But I think he's going to maintain a 15 uh, top 15 receiver on all formats going forward. He's, yeah. and if they trade Golden Tate, he's going to be their number one guy. I think he's the most talented receiver on the team. So love Kenny Galladay. Yeah, you can never really 
trust exactly what fans say when when you write about their team, but you know the the to the Lions fans that told me Galladay was going to be legit credit credit where credit's due because he looks awesome. So I'm in on him too. All right, so moving on to tight ends real quick. Uh, who's your first tight end? Eric Ebron. The Colts going up against Philadelphia. Uh, normally, he's kind of a fringe guy for me. He's like a touchdown dependent um, secondary tight end on that offense. But this week with Jack Doyle being out. I think he is a starter. I think he's going to get some play in that offense. He's got that touchdown upside still. Um, so, yeah, I like him this week. Last one for me, Trey Burton is going against the Cardinals. Obviously, a lot of people loved Burton this year with Chicago and thinking that he was going to have some quasi-Travis Kelsey role yeah. and get a lot of volume. He's been a little frustrating to start, but I still believe he's getting a lot more looks. Allen Robinson had a much better week two than one. I think Burton is on a similar path. The Cardinals, I mean, I would say they can't defend tight ends great. They can't defend anyone very well. So so awful, yeah. The biggest fear is Mitch Trubisky just sucks, but I still believe in Burton. So <laughs> I'm in on Burton. I'm just out on the Chicago offense in general, but yeah, I mean, I guess he's he's a borderline guy for me. I'm out on him until we see more from the Chicago offense, I think. I don't like Trubisky, but I still love Burton and Allen Robinson. All right, now we're going to do a little stargazing. These are your star players who are keeping you up at night. Your automatic no-brainer starts that you're thinking about, maybe you should bench them. First one for me, Dalvin Cook's going against the Bills. He yeah. said he had cramps. It seems it's a hamstring injury. Uh, I don't really care if he practices on Friday. Usually hamstring injuries, you know, players sometimes go, they're fine. It's like Will Fuller. I wasn't sure about him. He went off. But as I said, Bills suck. I'm worried that he's going to split carries in the beginning. I don't see why he would play in the second half if the Vikings are up yeah. unless they somehow make this a game. And you're basically banking, in my opinion, that Dalvin Cook gets uh, a pair of early touchdowns right in the beginning of the game because otherwise I don't see how he's going to get a ton of carries. So I actually would bench Dalvin Cook this week. I don't think he plays. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I actually don't, I don't have a retort to that because it just doesn't look like it's setting up to be a big day, big day for him. There's no reason for them to lean on him. Yeah, and if he scores like four touchdowns and 200 yards, then, um, <laughs> well, you That's make your own decisions. Make your own you, decisions. <laughs> Keenan Allen versus the Rams. I don't have the fortitude to bench Keenan Allen. Having said that, as Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus <laughs> pointed out, Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib have allowed 37 yards combined through two weeks. Yeah. And 85 different cornerbacks have allowed that on their own through two weeks. They have been as advertised. They have not gone against someone as good as Keenan Allen. I wouldn't be shocked if Keenan Allen just has a terrible week. That doesn't mean I have the fortitude to bench him, but right. I'm thinking about it. I mean, the Rams are a middle of the field funnel team. Like their outside guys are just amazing. So like I think running backs and tight ends are probably going to see more targets this week. And yeah, Keenan Allen could be left out in the cold kind of. He's still a precise enough route runner that he's going to get his targets, which not everyone in the league is. And he runs a lot of his routes through the slot, so that could kind of mitigate the the issue for you know defending to the outside. But they also have a good cornerback um, in the in the inside with Nickel Rowe Coleman. So yeah, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. So moving on to a streamer starting lineup. Here's what I'm going to do, yeah. DK. I'm going to throw out a bunch of guys who are owned in under 50 percent of leagues, even after waivers went through. And if you had to plug and play one of these dudes, I'm going to make you mm-hmm. pick one. Okay. So here's Start the quarterbacks. Blake Bortles, who's going against the Titans. Dak Prescott, who's at Seattle. Andy Dalton, who's playing against the Panthers. Derek Carr against the Dolphins. Big Mitch Trubisky against Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) And then Case Keenum is at Baltimore. If you had to pick one of those dudes, who are you going with? I'm going with the hot hand. I'm riding Andy Dalton until he starts to like show me that there's no reason to start. I mean, four touchdowns, I think, in the first half last week. So I'm riding him again this week. Hopefully he can uh, keep that hot hand going. 
I agree. Uh, on the sake of naming a second person, I think Derek Carr, I think Gruden, for as much as he's a meme, actually is, well, his staff has done a better job coordinating than I would have thought. Carr looked really actually good last week for the first time in a long time, so that's definitely encouraging. Moving on to running backs. Here's some running backs owned in under half of leagues. Corey Clement, who's against Indianapolis. Uh, Detroit's Theoretic is going against the Patriots. Our beloved Ty Montgomery, the Packers, is at Washington. <laughs> Buck Allens versus Denver. And then Jordan Wilkins of the Colts is at Philadelphia. If you had to pick one of those dudes, who are you starting? I'm going with Riddick. You know, it's going to be, I think, one of those game scripts where the the Lions are likely going to be coming from behind trying to catch up. And Riddick right now is like, I don't know, 15th in the NFL in receptions, which is kind of crazy. So he only has like 60-something yards on 14 catches, but... In PPR specifically here, he's a factor just because he catches so many passes. He's a dump-off option for, for Matt Stafford. And so I think I like him the most. Do you think the Patriots' offense and Josh McDaniels are going to like just fucking shred Matt Patricia's defense? <sighs> Seems that way. That's actually, yeah, that's an interesting thing, though, because <laughs> I wonder how close they are to you know what they ran last year. Would so. you love them to drop 50 points on Patricia? That would be kind of amazing. Of those options, I actually think I might pick Buck Allen. Yeah. I, I like Buck Allen. I get that. The usage, you know, for the Ravens is interesting. So under the receiving waters, Calvin Ridley of the Falcons is against New Orleans. John Brown and Ra- uh, the Ravens going against the Broncos. Uh, Dallas is Alan Hearns at Seattle, which is adorable. Chris Godwin of the Bucks is against Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Paul Richardson versus Green Bay. Uh, Ted Ginn at Atlanta and then Chargers Mike Williams at the Rams. Battle of Los Angeles, who will win? And then Philip Dorsett at Detroit and Brandon Marshall at Arizona. This is a tough decision because there's actually several guys here I'd be willing to go with. But I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley. You know, he, I think he became a bigger part of that passing offense. They want to make him a bigger part of the Falcons passing offense. You know, he can kind of line up wherever. The New Orleans defense hasn't really shown us that they can defend anybody yet. So, yeah, I'm going with Ridley. But Godwin is an interesting one, too. Paul Richardson, Ginn, I like a lot, obviously. You know, so I don't know. But I'm, I'm going with Ridley. I'm going out on a limb as well. This is where I'm going to go. Ridley catches a touchdown this week, but it's from Mohamed Sanu. That's my hot take this week. <laughs> I love that. It's extremely specific. Yeah. If I had to pick one of these, I like Williams just as an end zone thing. Although John Brown is not owned in enough leagues. I would love John Brown if I could get him. I think he's good this week. Godwin also is quite interesting just because that could be a shootout. Yeah. Tight ends. We got Tyler Eifert is at the Panthers. Yeah. Will Disley versus the Cowboys. Charles Clay at Minnesota, which yikes. Ben Watson at Atlanta, Austin Safarian Jenkins versus Tennessee, Jesse James versus Tampa Bay. None of these are really great options, but um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're all kind of like touchdown dependent, but I think James could get the most volume. The shootout potential in that game is good. Right now he's getting a lot of targets and actually his targets are like super far downfield so far. You know, he's kind of like a, a seam runner for them right now and instead of like a dump off with, you know, or just a simply a red zone guy with a lot of these other guys. So, I like Jesse James. I don't love Will Disley, but I have, I, I, I kind of, my heart is softened for Will Disley. I'll say that. <laughs> all right. That's all the time we got. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. 